0: Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Good morning, church. Wow, God is good. Welcome, especially if you're visiting for the first time. I want to give you a special welcome. My name is Mark, one of the followers of Christ here at Life in the Sun. Oh, we forgot to welcome one new one one young person. And his name is Neo Biscocho, and he's back, and he's up in the sound booth doing his thing. Uh, For those of you who don't know, uh, Neo uh, just came back from a trip in the States for uh, medical reasons, and God was amazing in how he provided for their whole family. Terry said, God is at work on the earth. Uh, Just ask Neo, ask Noy or Sandy uh, ask any of the youth, ask Stefan and his family, ask your neighbor, because God is at work yes. here on the earth. And uh, it was just great to see all of the young people up there. I want to celebrate some of our new and upcoming young leaders who really stepped up to the plate. Uh, one of them is Jerwin Mappa. He really did a lot to support and to serve all of his peers. Also Elaine, sitting right next to him. I also want to honor Andy and Leonard, who really got the ball rolling in the beginning. And overseeing all of that was Elmore and Jen. I really appreciate them. And then Van and Naomi. (laughs) And one of our hidden people behind the scenes, a lot of people don't know, she holds things together, is Zarina. And now we trust God for the results. It's all part of our vision to make disciples, to honor God in Micronesia and beyond. It's a vision that's born in the heart of God. And I just want to tell you the story of of how that came to be. Uh, We've always had a vision for Micronesia. Make no doubt about that. It's been there since the foundations of this church. But we needed to crystallize it into a statement that was concise and yet complete. Uh, We needed something to capture our high calling as a church in Micronesia. And so one night as we were praying about it, the Lord just gave me a moment of inspiration. I texted it to Pastor Roland. We discussed it with the leaders, tweaked the wording a little bit. And there it is. We exist to honor God to make disciples in Micronesia and beyond. It's a vision rooted in the heart of God. And one thing I enjoy the most is helping people experience God. It's the best thing because when God touches somebody, they're not the same. Giving your time, giving your treasure to support the vision of making disciples in Micronesia um, is a great thing. It's a vision rooted in the heart of God. It's a vision worth living for. And there are so many ways that you can be a part of what God is doing. Doing things like going to the conference gives God an opportunity to be at work. Uh, Those of you who prayed for the young people in our church, or those of you who gave financially to support them, you are investing in the next generation. Uh, The people in your life group, they have special gifts and talents and abilities. Each of you have a special role in his kingdom. All of you have specific involvement in furthering his kingdom. There are assignments that the Holy Spirit reveals to you or he wants to reveal to you to help touch people's lives. And that's not limited to Sunday morning. It's not limited to this worship service. It's not even limited to your small group that meets during the week. Um, This can happen at home, this can happen at work, Uh, this can happen anywhere, whether it's across the street or across the ocean. God is inviting us to be a part of what he's doing. Giving your time and your talent and your treasure is good. Serving God is great, but there's something more important. There's something more important than giving your tithe. There's something more important than giving 10% of the first of all of your increase. There's something more important than supporting the youth to be able to go to a conference. There's something more important than serving on Sunday morning or during your life group during the week. And it's found in a teaching that Jesus gave to his disciples on a mountaintop. And we gave a title to his teaching. It's called Redefined. Today, we are on week four. Let's pray. Our Father, you came to redefine us. You came to redefine life. And I ask that you would open our eyes, the eyes of our hearts. Lord, give us knowledge and understanding. I ask that you would transform our minds and transform our lives so that we could actually experience you and be a part of what it is That you're doing on the earth. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you here to speak to us, show us, help us to understand, and more importantly, help us to respond by faith to be a part. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this teaching that Jesus gave is found in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, chapters 5 through 7. And today, we are going to be looking at verses 21 to 26 of chapter 5. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, You fool! And you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Today, I want to focus on verses 23 and 24. Jesus said, So, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother And then come and offer your gift. Before you offer your gift, before you give to the Lord, before you serve, go and be reconciled to the person who has something against you. Now there's something more important than giving your time and your talent and your treasure. There's something more important. God desires peace and unity among his people. He desires peace and unity. Why is this important? Well, it's important because of verse 22. Earlier we read, Jesus said, and I'll just give you a paraphrase, despising your brother endangers your soul. Despising your brother. He talked about murder, and then he talked about murder in the heart. A lot of people don't really talk about murder in the heart. Maybe a better word, a better phrase for us to be able to relate, is if we despise somebody, the Lord said, your soul is in danger. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. And so here's the principle. It's not so much about the words. It's about the attitude of the heart. And if we despise our brother, there are consequences there are consequences. A couple chapters ahead in Matthew chapter 7 beginning in verse 1, Jesus said, do not judge. Do not judge. We live in a world of cause and effect. And Jesus said, if you judge, you will be judged. Romans 2:1, Paul said, the things we judge, this is a paraphrase. He basically said the things we judge, we will also do. And so I mentioned we live in a world of cause and effect. There is the principle of reaping and sowing. Let me give you an example. Um, I know somebody, when they were little, they grew up in a very difficult situation in their home, and she had a hard time dealing with some of her mom's stuff. And they grew up in a Christian home, but she judged her mom as a hypocrite. She would say one thing, and she would do another. Now, do any of us totally live up to our words I think most of us have been hypocritical at one point or another. The question isn't so much what happens to us, it's how we respond to what happens to us. And she judged her mother. Later, that same girl, when she grew up, became an adult. She was involved in the church. She was a volunteer. She was serving. But then she would go home and sleep with her boyfriend. And the very thing that she judged, she also did. She became a hypocrite. There's a consequence to judging. She judged her mom. And because of her judgment, she became like her mom. We live in a world of cause and effect. The things we judge, we also do. Or another way it can show up in us, in our lives, is uh, we may expect other people to be like that. That's another way it can come back to us if we judge somebody. So we we may not be a hypocrite. But we may expect others to be like that with us. And now we're judging all kinds of people. And we don't want that because there's the law of sowing and reaping. We don't want our judgments to come back to us. Jesus said, do not judge. If you judge, you too will be judged. So Jesus says, do not despise your brother. And this is referring not just to your biological brother. It's not referring just to your Christian brother. In the context, it makes better sense when you consider anyone who is your fellow man or fellow woman. Interestingly, uh, Jesus puts a twist on the application. In verses 23 and 24, you would expect Jesus to say that if you had judged someone, then you should deal with that in your heart. You should recognize it, confess it, repent, ask God to forgive you, You know, get it right in your heart and then go and give your gift. But that's not what Jesus says in the next verse. That's not what he talks about in verses 23 and 24. Jesus changes the subject from judgments that you have about other people to judgments that other people have about you. It's reversed. And so there are two things going on here. Jesus talks about presenting your offering. And so I would ask you today, what is your offering? How are you giving back to God out of thankfulness for what he's given to you? How do you serve God? How do you honor God and make disciples? What are you doing to serve God right now? And then the second question is this. Is there someone who has something against you? Is there someone who has something against you? And if there is, Jesus says, lay down your offering. Lay down what you're offering to God and go to your brother and make it right and then come back and give what you have to give. Now here's a deeper question. Are you responsible for every single person out there who has something against you? Are you responsible for that? This principle principle applies to everybody, but for the sake of being obvious, uh, let me uh, give an example of people in public life. For example, let's take the president as an example, or maybe the governor of Guam, or a radio talk show host, or maybe the pastor of a large church. And the moment anybody like that opens their mouth, I guarantee you, There's going to be people who have something against them. It's inevitable. And it probably happens to all of us, but it's more obvious with people in public service. The moment you open your mouth, somebody's got a problem with what you're saying. President Trump is either a hero or he's the worst president in the history of the United States. And it just depends on who you are. So the real question is this. Is President Trump responsible for the 100 million people who hate him? Should he go to each one and make it right before he steps into a church? Now, we want to be careful that we don't dismiss kingdom principles just because it's difficult. You know, we don't want to say, well, you know, Jesus couldn't possibly have meant that. Because it's just too hard. We don't want to interpret Scripture based on our experience. We want to interpret Scripture based on Scripture. And so, in verse 9 of the very first chapter, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the sons of God. And so, yes, we want to be peacemakers. We want to be sons and daughters of God. But read the next verse, 10 and 11. Jesus said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Falsely. It happens. Sometimes people are falsely accused remember what happened to Joseph? He decided that he would honor his master by not sleeping with his master's wife. And what happened? He got thrown in jail. He got falsely accused and he got thrown in jail. And it wouldn't be the first time that somebody was falsely accused. Jesus was falsely accused. I mean, if it was up to Jesus, if it, was, if, it was, if it was his responsibility to make it right with all the Pharisees who wanted to kill him, he would have never been able to go into the temple and worship. He would have never been able to worship. Jesus warned us in Matthew 24, 9. He said, people will hate you on account of your relationship with me. That is, when you're faithful to represent Jesus, People will not like it. They don't like it when the light shines on them. If you're faithful to Jesus, somebody is not going to like you. And if you assume responsibility for people's feelings about you, then you can never be free to worship God with a clear conscience. You just can't. And we have to learn as God's people, as you walk in the light, If you do your part, you've got to learn not to take responsibility for other people's decisions. The only thing you're responsible for is how you respond. If people judge you and you did nothing wrong, but you take responsibility for it, then you can never worship with a clear conscience. It's important for us to understand what Jesus said in its context In the context of all of chapter 5, if your brother has something against you because you really did something wrong, because you sinned, because you said something you should not have said, you said it with the wrong attitude, or you did something you should not have done, then you need to go and make it right. Now, if you make every effort on your part to go and talk to them, you reach out to them, they don't respond, then before God, you have done your part. You can't can't make them reconcile. Not if it's going to be real. It's got to be two-way. But if they won't respond, if they won't hear it, then you're not responsible for that. It could be your mom. It could be your dad. And maybe they don't want to hear it. It could be your spouse. It could be your ex and they don't want to do any, they don't want anything to do with you. It could be your child or a friend or a coworker. And they, they don't even want to look at you. You can't be responsible for their decision. Romans twelve eighteen says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. That's just a beautiful way that Paul wrote that. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. You can't take responsibility for other people's decisions. Even Jesus couldn't do it. The Pharisees decided they were going to kill him. Paul, he couldn't solve it with Barnabas. They had a split. But if you have tried, then I encourage you to leave the results with God. Give it up to Him. I'd like to close with three questions. If someone has something against you, is it because you did something wrong? And if you did, have you done enough to make it right? And if not, will you take the initiative? To make it right. God is at work. We have this amazing opportunity to be able to join him in what he's doing. I'm excited about what God is doing here on Guam, around the world, but there's something more important than getting involved in doing. There's something about being like Christ, being loving, forgiving, gracious, being a witness. God wants us to be the right people and not just do the right things. Amen? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, that you have made it abundantly clear that you are love and that the greatest and most important thing is for us to love you and to love each other. And Father, I ask that you would give us wisdom and that you would give us strength and knowledge and understanding to know how to navigate the complexities of life. Lord even the complexity of our own heart and our thoughts and being able to filter all of that out and find your way Holy Spirit I ask that you would give us understanding And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be able to honor you in our hearts. And then, Lord, I pray that you would enable us to be able to go, to go and be a part of what you're doing in making disciples in Micronesia and beyond. And so, Lord, I ask that even now, you would help us understand what does that mean for each one of us? And if you would, while your eyes are closed, your heads are bowed, I want to invite you just to ask God, Lord, what are you saying to me? How does this apply in my life? And take some time just to let the Lord highlight something if there is something. Let him guide you in where to go from here. And worship team, if you would come on up just take some time to be still inside just connect with God he is here Just allow him to be able to show you some things. And if he has, I encourage you to respond by faith and to trust him and to follow him in whatever it is that he may be prompting in your life, in your circumstances. if in your heart you're saying yes to God, I just want to pray for you, Lord. I pray for the enabling of your Holy Spirit in each one of your sons and daughters here today that is sensing your leading and that you would enable them to be able to represent your heart well. Father, teach us to love well and teach us to be strong according to the image that you created us to be, to be like Jesus. And if you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, there's another group of you here today that I want to, to talk to. You may be here this morning, and as you're listening to me talk about a relationship with God, that's something that's been on your heart and mind deeply, recently. And today, that's why you're here. Because inside, you're searching. You're feeling drawn. You're realizing that a relationship with God is what you want, what you need to experience, what you need to develop. And if you've never made a conscious choice to open your life to God and say, God, I want you to come into my life and I want to experience you, if you've never made a formal decision to do that, I invite you to go ahead and settle that decision today. And even as I'm speaking, if you're saying, yeah, that's me, then I want to give you an opportunity to express that to God. And what I'll do is I'll pray out loud and I invite you to hitchhike on my words and God will hear you. Okay, good. Let's pray. Father God, Father God, I've been sensing your knocking on the door of my life. You've been getting my attention. And so today I've come here because I sense that you are somehow drawing me. And so Lord, I'm responding. I'm sensing your presence, your activity in my life, and I'm saying yes. I open up to you. I open the door of my life, and I'm wanting to know you. I want to experience you. And so, Lord, would you reveal yourself. And I ask you to forgive me for all the hindrances that prevent me from experiencing you and life as you intended. And I ask you to forgive me, and I thank you for Jesus and what he did for me. So I just receive Jesus. I receive your spirit. I receive your forgiveness right now in my life, in my heart. And this is for you. I invite you to receive his spirit of grace and forgiveness, mercy and kindness. His spirit of love is for you. Just let him come in and let him meet with you so that you know, that you know, that you know that God is in your life. And Father, now I thank you for coming into my life and I ask that you would change me and make me the kind of person you want me to be. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.